between light and dark is so very thin. And welcome back, Guardians, to episode 21 of Becoming Legend. What is up? We're 21. (laughs) Made it. Exactly. We're legal. We made it. Legal beagles. We can do whatever we want. We can slay whoever we want in the world of Destiny (laughs) 2. Yeah. We can slay hive monsters. There's some new ones floating around the galaxy. Have you encountered Uh them? They say they go by headless ones, I think is what they're calling them. Oh, I think is based off of what we read in the lore, I think that's the name that Glint gave them that he's just trying to get everyone to catch on to is the headless ones. Okay. Because you know, technically they have heads. They're just not they're not the traditional heads that we would think of, you know. Like Yeah. There's flaming pumpkin heads. Yeah, flaming necromancy heads. Totally cool. Yeah. But yes, welcome back to episode 21 of Becoming Legend. Thank you all for joining us. It is October 31st, Halloween, which uh-huh. is very appropriate because we will be doing an episode covering the Festival of the Lost, which is Destiny 2's version of the celebration of Halloween um, and different um, different versions of celebration in yeah. that. Festival of the Lost began... In year two of Destiny 1. So as we all know, launch of Destiny 1 wasn't the strongest launch of all time when it comes to video games. Um, They really just gave us the campaign and not much else to do. A little bit of Crucible, but it was mostly just introducing the world to us and and the concepts of light and darkness and, and what so have you. So they didn't really do much in year one of Destiny 1. So year two, they really started putting in more themed events to give us something to do in between the expansions and just keep the player base engaged, really. So in year two, they gave us Festival of the Lost, where we were given these masks that we would wear during special events. The masks are our version of mocking our enemies and saying that we do not fear the creatures out there that are trying to destroy us. But when Destiny 2 was um, brought around, they really made some major changes to Festival of the Lost, introducing the Haunted Forest. And I wanted to know, perhaps, Mr. Tweezy, do you have any thoughts on the Haunted Forest? What, how did you feel when that was first introduced? And um, how much did you engage with it? So when Haunted Forest was first introduced, um, it was fresh off the release of the curse of osiris which i think we all can agree uh was the dlc which the community hated the most uh just, i'm sorry like it, it has to be said hated it was rough uh for for context at this time bungie was still an activision owned studio bungie uh the dev team at bungie was specifically uh in charge of releasing destiny 2 which was a game that was uh, old by our standpoints, they, they had had a lot of developmental uh, problems trying to meet the demands in which Activision uh, had kind of set. And so what would end up happening is that the, the dev team at Bungie would work on everything, and then they had smaller ancillary support studios, Raven Software being the one who did uh, Warmind, you know, as an example. But like some of those smaller ancillary studios would work on the DLC. 
Curse of Osiris came out, that introduced the concept of the Infinite Forest uh, just as a whole. And then when Halloween Festival of the Lost came around, uh, we obviously got the haunted version of that. Uh, for those of you who are new who don't know what the play mechanic was, uh, you would run through uh, a, one of the you know the haunted forest's layers. You had a like a 15 minute timer on it. You would start. You would run through. You would kill up to a certain percentage of enemies, and then that would warp you into a room where there would be a boss. And it's just rinse, repeat, uh, run it as many times as you can until the very end. Once the time runs out, you face one big bad, and then you run off of, you run across a bridge that constantly has disappearing plates to uh, reach the chest at the end. Like that was what Haunted Forest was. Um, when it first got introduced, obviously, uh, I was intrigued. Um, I, I don't think we can, like, I don't think we need to say that Destiny 2 was not the same as it is now as it was back then. Eververse wasn't as big a deal. A lot of the things that are such a big deal now uh, hadn't been, like, fully developed yet uh, at this time. So it was cool. Um, the problem with Haunted Forest really began after year two, after year three, where we are continuing to play the exact same event with no variation in, in how the game it's done. There's no variation in bosses. There's no variation in anything. The only thing uh, that would change would be, you know, what what cosmetic items you can unlock. And those are still great. You know, I see a lot of rocking the the tarantula sparrow and stuff, which is fun. But you know, it's it's kind of it, it kind of got tiresome at the end, especially because um, in later years, events have really turned into like grindy slog fests, where the you know like you just have to continuously grind this out to unlock all these things, to get all of the things to, to earn whatever you need to earn. Like you have to earn half the pages in the book in order to get this week's or this year's emblem. And you know, you have to do the entire, like you have to go all the triumphs in order to get the ship. Like it's a lot of work to do these things. So there's a long winded answer. When it started off, I liked it as it's continued to evolve. Um, I have, I have, uh, you know, it, it turns into another event like the dawning that you're just like, oh, okay, like I don't need to engage as much with this because it's just going to be a grind, and you already know that. Uh, this year's is, is proven differently, and obviously we're going to talk about that. But yeah, what about you? What were your thoughts on the haunted forest? Personally, I enjoyed the haunted forest um, quite a lot, but to me, the infinite forest was the only somewhat redeeming factor of the curse of osiris just as a concept as the it's basically a vex supercomputer is what the infinite forest is as far as what it actually what the lore contents are in the universe and it's used to calculate what may or may not ha have happened in certain places at time um within the range of the infinite forest um to my understanding osiris tried to expand it to where he can do the entire solar system what happened in the past what will happen in the future but he was unable to do so he really was able to see what was happening on mercury and um, we were able to glimpse the dark future which is what would happen if the vex were successful um, in their campaign it's pretty pretty interesting so i did like that um the haunted forest being Another variation of that that added, um, you know, Halloween decorations. It was a little more spooky. They turned the lights off. It was dark in there and, and had lightning off in the distance. So kind of similar to the Ascendant Plane um, as far as the, the looks of it. I did enjoy that. I really liked the mechanic of um, seeing how many bosses you can kill within the time limit. That was actually one of the 
main events that you would try to do is, you know, really you could just do the one boss and reset and, and you will get rewards. However, what you would try to do is see how many bosses you can kill before the timer runs out. Typically you would get at least 12, but it was possible to get upwards of 28 for the super pro. So it's very interesting how that worked. And to me, that is kind of interesting when you consider the new Festival of the Lost event, which is Haunted Sectors, where it's a very similar mechanic, but in the new Haunted Sectors, it caps out at 10. Whereas before you were able to kill as many as you wanted and run the clock out. Now, even if you have two minutes left and you already killed 10 bosses because your team is amazing, you just have to wait out the timer for the rest of the event. So um, that's very interesting to me there. The Haunted Forest I did get tired of it in year two and year three specifically. It became more like the um, European aerial zone event over the summer where like it's there and you can grind it out, but it's not something you have to engage with. And especially since they don't really make changes from year to year, especially by year three, I didn't really engage with it at all. You know, the new Hunter sectors this year, I have been grinding um, because they give you a reason to, they actually introduce 27 lore pages that you can discover by doing the uh, Haunted Sectors events. But Classic Bungie, uh, they actually nerfed the progress at which you were able to attain these uh, pages. During week one, there was actually, uh, what people found was instead of doing the Haunted Sectors, you could do the Nightfall instead. And at the time, the Nightfall happened to be... Um, Lake of Shadows. So if you speed run Lake of Shadows, you can get it done in maybe two or three minutes. So people were doing that over and over and over and got all 27 pages within a matter of hours. So for weeks two and three, Bungie said, no, that we're, that is absolutely way too fast. We do want you to engage in this event. And uh, that's what they did. They nerfed it. I missed my chance to get all of those pages the first week. So I really, really, really had to grind it out. And actually just a couple of days ago, got my 27th page. But it's a really interesting lore read, the information that they give you in these pages. Did you happen to unlock the new lore pages about Glint and his adventures? I am about halfway through uh, them, and it is just because of the, the grind fest that the event happens to be. Uh, yes, you know, it is the, super in order, to, in order to obtain pages to translate, you have to run regular events and you know what what sucks you know uh, is that public events don't count lost sectors don't count so even if you're doing stuff on uh like on planet if you're just trying to finish up something or you're just like if you're like me like uh, when i first get on at the beginning of the week like the first thing i do i pick up all my gunsmith bounties i go to a random planet and i just kind of knock them all out that way they're done i get my pinnacle like that's we're, we're good to go um you know, you just run a couple of lost sectors and you're, you're solid. That didn't count, and that was kind of disappointing with, with everything. Um, but to be honest, you know, the I think that the lore is very interesting. Um, mostly because, like, you know, I think we can all agree this is lore that doesn't matter. Like, in the grand scheme of things, like, this is not something that's going to be referenced a lot. It will make references to other characters or other people, but it's not something that's like pivotal to the story, something that's going to release a secret that we didn't know or anything like that. Like, that's just, that's not how this is going to work. Um, 
reading through it, it is a it is an amalgamation of like three different sources. It's like Glint talking with somebody trying to get more information about the headless ones. You have reports from the hidden that have been decrypted, kind of like talking about people's interactions with them. Uh, and then each of the the what is it called? The books of the forgotten. That's right. Um, yeah. It focuses on an, on a specific planet. You have focus on Europa. You have focus on uh, Luna, and then you have a focus on because failsafe comes into play. Um, Indeed, I enjoy those I in particular. I love I love any time that failsafe gets brought in, um, <laughs> just because I think failsafe as a as an AI and as a character are incredibly uh, neat. And it was very nice to see. Um, it was okay. It was nice, and then kind of sad at the same time, mm-hmm. where you know. In one of those lore pages, I can't remember which one, you know, Failsafe is like, uh, you guys promised to visit me, and then it's been two years, and you haven't come back to see me. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, it's because nothing's happening on Nessus anymore. But, you know, it was kind of sad to read that. But it was very interesting as well because, um, and I don't know if this is how it panned out in-game, um, but... We are playing Lost Sectors from each of those specific planets. We are playing, uh, you know, the... I, it's the... I, I know where it is on the map, but I can't remember the name of the Europa Lost Sector that you do. Uh, we do know that there is the, there is a Lost Sector from the moon that's there. Uh, we do know that there's one from Nessus. And I don't know if that got introduced week to week to week, where the first week it was nothing but Europa, second week was Europa and the moon, third week was all three. But it was definitely something that was, that was clever, uh, that they referenced those locations and kind of gave some new life to, to them because we haven't been back, especially in Essence. Like, we haven't, nobody has any reason to go back. So, nope. Not you know. at all. Just an occasional strike in Nightfall. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting. I think the gameplay loop, though, uh, I know you were talking about the, the <laughs> being capped at 10, and I was... Confused, because uh, that also happened. You can you can reach uh, a maximum. I think it's uh, like fourteen or fifteen pages, uh, because once you reach the ten, uh, then you have the boss spawn. Once the boss spawns, the the first uh, little bit of shields, you get two headless ones, and then the last one you can three. That's um, right. I still think it's fun, but you know that that part of it like is not the hard part for me. Like it's very common to at least get ten pages in a run. Mm-hmm. The, the part of this activity that kind of, like, is rough is just the activities that you have to run to get pages. And then in order to continuously get the, the appropriate amount of pages for how much they turn into it, dude, it's, it is just a slog. You know? Yes. And I'm, I'm very curious how, especially, okay, this is going to get into a small little aside, like my one issue that I have with Festival of the Lost right now. Um, how many players, once they saw how difficult it was going to be to get all of the dinosaur armors, how many people continue to engage with the event? That is my genuine question, especially because this event has superseded anything story-wise. So there's like, there's nothing story-wise happening. It's just this event. Mm-hmm. So what, um, what's the amount of people that actually like participated in this? And then what, you know, cause from, Everything that I had seen and, and uh, like was led to believe leading up to the event, those dinosaur skins were going to be unlockable in game, and like obtainable in game. And yes, technically they are obtainable in game, but for a single set of armor to be six thousand gold dust, 
or you know, and like six ounces of gold dust or fifteen dollars. No, like I don't know anybody who bought any of the the dinosaur armors, even though we were all very excited to get them because they were just so expensive and we couldn't earn them in game. And so that kind of uh, like from my friends and from the people that I play with, that kind of turned them off at the beginning of the event because they're like, "Well, what's the point? Like this stuff is unobtainable." So, anyways, I'm I'm getting off that soapbox. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree with you because especially with the amount of hype that went into these dinosaur suits, these were the first outfits where the community was actually able to vote on what our outfits will look like for the season of the Lost. They had two other options that we could vote. I don't really remember what they were. I remember one looked pretty cool, but they ended up going with the dinosaurs. You could vote. Sorry, I didn't mean to try and talk over you. Uh, You can vote between uh, the monsters or like the dinosaurs or classic movie monsters. Because there was right. Swamp Thing, there was, uh, I think there was like a King Kong one. I don't know. I remember Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. It, I'm pretty sure that's the one I voted for, but dinosaurs ended up winning anyway. That's cool. But even in game, I really didn't see that many dinosaur suits, honestly. So like you said, I don't know anybody who purchased them. Um, and even through three weeks of playing, I saw less than 10 guardians with the, with the dinosaur suits on. So yeah. it was just, it's so expensive, you know, so expensive. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. but I thought the rest of the event was great. Uh, I do think that the, the Jurassic green is a pulse rifle that's just going to exist. Like it's not good. It's not bad. It's just another pulse, you know, in the same way that like the Braytech werewolf is another gun. Like, like it's, it's just another like, AR. Really, the only time you ever see anybody running it is Festival of the Lost, and the rest of the time it's kind of been thrown away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 a cool event. Um, the weapons were man, the armor, what armor? <laughs> so you're just like, all right, cool. Like it's just masks. Uh, mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. The new spread, like you said. The, the new spider sparrow was pretty interesting and they actually have a yeah. new broom um they have like an ascendant broom with a cat on it so if you enjoyed the broom sparrows from previous seasons that's a good update to that one um yeah. but yeah besides that there's there's really not much else to it as you said it is taking place during a lull in the in the um seasonal story um they actually uh, reference it during a couple of the haunted sectors. I believe there's one where you perhaps speak with Petra and uh, she's like, oh, Guardian, I heard you were taking a break. And Glint chimes in. It's like, oh, no, we're actually just shooting these things, killing times. Like, why did I even call is what Petra says. So it's pretty yeah. interesting. But you know that we're just waiting for the stars to align so that we can attempt to um, cut the ties with Savathun's uh, worm. So until that date, they needed to give us something to do. I liked the way they introduced um, how Glint is able to leave his guardian because I was very confused without reading the lore books. It's like, why is it? Where is Crow? If Glint is with us on these missions, where where is Crow right now? How can you just leave him vulnerable? But it turns out Crow is actually just in space contemplating everything he recently learned about himself being Aldrin Sov. He actually asked Ikora Ray to uh, be removed from the mission. He no longer wanted to deal with our current main story with Savathun and uh, Queen Mara and everything. He, it was just a bit much for him. So uh, we did remove him and placed him aboard Kayatul's ship as the new representative 
um, between the tower and Keitel, kind of like an ambassador, uh, so to speak. So he is somewhere where he is safe. Glint feels that it would be political suicide for anybody to make an attempt on Crow's life right now. So he should, in theory, be safe aboard Keitel's ship since we have a truce right now. Um, but something that has kind of come as a bit of a surprise is since he is spending time with uh, Keitel, you know who else is spending time with Keitel right now? Is Lord Saladin. So Lord Saladin and Crow might be becoming buddies. And Lord Saladin has actually been showing kind of issues with the way that young Crow thinks about things and, and how he doesn't really place value, the same values as Lord Saladin does, because he's had, you know, millennia or, or at least centuries over experience with Crow. So it's very interesting to see somebody that, um, again, battle hardened and battle experienced being able to train Crow and being able to harden him a little bit, which I think he needs right now. So that's been a yeah. very interesting story to keep up with. It has been. You know, when I saw that happening, you know, my first thought was definitely like, oh, it's almost like we told you not to. It's almost like everybody told you, hey, don't do this thing that you're doing. Glint even said, don't touch her. You know, so I'm, I'm just like, you know, he just needs a cooling off period. As far as him going with Saladin, I think. It's, but I'm also kind of curious how this is going to pan out. Um it, you know, because Saladin is also, when we think back uh, to the season of the Chosen, like Saladin was the one who was not a fan of Keitel at all, was a fan of completely destroying the Cabal as they stood, so we could no longer have to worry about fighting the Cabal if we just killed them all. You know? Uh, so, him being with Keitel and, and, and with Uldren, like, is he being softened? Is, is Crow being hardened? Um, is Crow still the Crow? Uh, I think these are all things that we're going to see probably, unfortunately, uh, I think we're going to see this stuff in like January, February. Like this is going to be stuff like this season story is, is going to wrap itself up uh, after the dawning uh, and, and we're going to have some time. Probably it's going to culminate in a big event, same way that the, the Traveler reforming itself was a big event. Um, but past that, like, it is. You know, nothing, I don't think anything that we are going to be doing from this point forward, uh, nothing with the, the Bungie special event, nothing in the dawning is going to be um, relevant to the story at hand. There will be references again, uh, but I don't think it's going to be like relevant per se, um, which is okay. <laughs> like if, we're, if we're really being honest, I, I think that's okay. Uh, we are entering that time of year where, uh, gasp, other games come out. Uh, and, uh, honestly, the real benefit that, that Bungie is going to have is that they're not trying to compete and make space between Battlefield 2042 and Halo Infinite and this new Call of Duty Vanguard and all the other games that are coming out this holiday season, like, Bungie has the space to kind of just be like, okay, yeah, like, we're taking, we're taking a step back. You guys enjoy those games when they come out, you know, and just know that February, once you're tired of those games, once you've beaten those games, you've played those games, hey, we're going to be here in February. We're going to have a new story coming out. So I think that's kind of where they're lining themselves up to be time-wise. It just sucks because, you know, uh, for those of us that play, it means that it's, it's, a, it's a dead time. And uh, dead times are sad because we spend a lot of time talking about things 
that uh, nobody, like, we spend a lot of time really nitpicking the, the small details of, of how things operate, you know, because we're, we've been playing this game for seven years and, if, you know, what's, what's the point, you know? Agreed. This seems to be the time of the season where the Crucible developers are kind of thinking the same thing, where they really don't have anything else to do. They continue to mess with the flow of the game, uh, specifically referencing the changes that have been made to Trials recently. This is a perfect example of the... What you can expect over the next coming months uh, until February, uh, since we won't really have anything to progress the story there, it's going to be filled with um, events, which are also filled with the microtransactions and Glimmer and and all of this stuff. But um, in the meantime, they continue to change how the Flawless Pool in uh, Trials of Osiris works. Uh, I personally was a fan of the way it was before, but I guess they were privy to some information that I definitely was not that showed it was not functioning the way it was intended. So um, I know you just explained it right before the episode, but would you mind giving us one more quick lowdown on the changes that they made to yeah. the trials? So right now, they're, it, the biggest thing is that they're, they're continuing to examine the flawless pool and how it works and what time it works. Because that's the other thing that really messes things up. And, and this is talk about a lot with community spoiler alert we have a community and an in-game clan anyways um one of the the big things about the flawless pool is uh that it is to give other players an opportunity to go flawless without having to go against a super stack sweaty team that is sitting at seven wins and they're just there to knock people off their cards uh so what would happen is that uh, what is it? Sunday at like the way that it used to work is that Sunday at noon they turned on the flawless pools, and what that would mean is that everybody who had already gone flawless uh, would be placed into a separate uh, instant, like a separate like game instance, where they would only be matching with other players who had gone flawless. Now you, it it doesn't matter team or no team if one player on the team has gone flawless, you know if that player is playing with other people. They're playing in the flawless queue. So don't play with people who have already gone flawless. But one of the big problems is obviously time and and what time that takes place. Uh, It used to be just a static 12 everybody. uh, And they're working to to kind of have that being like a a thing based off of the time zone that you live in or that you are connecting to. Because that's obviously like one of the biggest problems is that, you know, like, I am, I, you know, personal example, I'm somebody who plays on the West Coast. So what 12 p.m. is for somebody on the coast, what noon is, is 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, and so if things are enacting at Eastern Standard Time, then I, as a player, do not have time before, like, before I wake up to really, like, continue to play matches. Uh Again, the, I think the biggest thing that they're just trying to do with these trials changes uh, is to continue to make it fun for new players to engage in the activity and to come in and actually try and see how many wins they can get, uh, while also simultaneously uh, trying to continue to keep those players who, who go flawless every week, keep them engaged and keep them playing. The other big thing that I think they're trying to work on, this is my understanding and this could be completely wrong, uh, so if it is wrong, tweet you know, like reach out, like let me know. We'll we'll correct the record in the next episode. But the other thing that they're really working on doing is improving the quality of the matches. Um, you hear a lot of times about people who are uh, 
like, you know, on their second win, matching against players who are on their sixth win. You know, and uh, that is a difference. If, the, if, the, if you're going against a team that's 6-0 versus a team that, you know, is, is 2-0, like, there is a, a significant difference in how some people are playing. It doesn't even matter about, like, skills. It's just, like, if they're already at 6, you can assume that they've been rolling. Like, they're, they're warm. They're ready to go. Uh, they might have some strats. You know, it, it is what it is. And so just trying to, to match make so that, you know, not so much that it's card-based matchmaking again. That's that's what we're trying to get rid of. We don't want to be solely card-based. But we don't want to also have players who are looking for their first wins, looking for players who are looking for their last win, having those two queue up against each other. And so, you know, Trials is, is this activity that is, is highly celebrated by the entire community. Uh, and because it's such a big event, they're just continuing to try and, and keep it engaging and keep it... Um, inviting to both the the new players who are trying it out for the first time or you know those teams that are just trying to get a couple of wins to start getting some of the loot and and match those against the people like to also match the the people who have been playing who go flawless every week who spend their weekends like running trials and that's all they do uh, just try and keep everyone engaged and everyone happy. Uh, they've been doing a great job, obviously. Like, there's been a lot of uh, support from the, the Crucible Sandbox team of, of just balancing and, and trying to get us back to a place where we want to be. Uh, but we'll, we'll continue to see. Trials appears to be a thing that they're going to continue to play with, especially since they have the Trials Lab game modes, you know, where they're trying to bring in something that is not solely elimination-based, bringing in more objective-based gameplays into Trials as well appears to be a thing that they're working on. So just trying to find the, the balancing of that. So instead of only having to care about, okay, well, like, we're going to be playing Trials this weekend. This is the map. This is the weapon. Uh, it's also maybe bringing in that thought of, like, we're going to play Trials this weekend. It is this map. It is this mode. So instead of running it like I always, I'm going to have to change up how I approach this uh, maybe for the week. We'll see. Like, again, Trials is, is a game mode that... Uh, deserves to be given attention to and it appears that they're giving it uh an amount of attention that the the pvp community seems to be happy with you know and, and that's i think one of the biggest things going into this season the the biggest complaint uh from a lot of players that i know is that the pvp community was being neglected uh that you know everything was changing for pve and nobody was paying attention to pvp but i do think as the season has progressed, they have shown that they are paying attention to PvE and they're trying to be uh, a little bit quicker with how they're up things and instead of the way that it was in the past where they were kind of slow to update things to make sure that everything worked. They're, they're a little bit quicker on the draw now, but that's just me. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Trials is good. Like, they're trying to make it better. That's, you know, it is consistently, if you go on Twitch, Every weekend, if you look at, like, Sully Gnome or any of the, the Twitch stats, Destiny, once Trial goes live, Destiny starts peaking again. It goes live, and then the weekend, it'll drop down. Gets to the next Friday, peaks back up, drops down. So Trials is the event that brings all the eyes to Destiny, so you gotta, you gotta pay attention to it. Wow. Oh, that's actually very interesting. I didn't know a lot of that information. Yeah, if you if you actually look at the the watch stats for for Destiny two, the the two things that you'll see is that every weekend becomes popular because of trials. And granted, um, there's a lot of people that 
stream on Destiny that they're doing trials carries, so that could be a, a significant part of it. Is is people carrying during trials? Uh, but yeah, trials in in uh, world first races are are the two big events, and only one of those happens every week, and that would be trials. So. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with freelance trials. Freelance trials is, is still a great idea. But again, how do you balance it? it that, is, that is a lot of what it's coming down to is just they've now made freelance trials. Uh, it is a thing that's intriguing to a lot of players because now you don't have to find a team of three. You can just run in there and, and get some loot. Um, how do you balance that again? How do you make sure that your players uh, that are like solo players are not going up against a three stack that's talking to each other? You know, balance. Everything is about finding balance. They've introduced some new stuff and it's great. And now it's just about balancing it and finding the, the perfect medium where everybody is happy. Mm-hmm. We're almost there. We'll get there. Yeah. Hopefully. It's a lot better than it was. So they're close. That's all that matters. Slow, slow, subtle improvements. Yeah. Awesome. That's that, you know. There really hasn't been stuff that they talked about. It's, it's you know, like, the Tron's been light. Everything has been light. It is a holiday season. We're going into an even bigger holiday season. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit light right now, but, you know, it's still fun. Yeah, I think we can experience a lull in these next coming, coming weeks. Um, coming this Tuesday with Reset, we will have your favorite, your favorite Iron Banner is coming back. I just, I can't wait. Uh, that is, okay, if we can, if we can make requests for game modes to look at, Iron Banner. Let's Please. just take a look at it. Like, uh, we have the freelance playlist, which is fine, but I don't want to sweat. Uh, and then, I, I've heard from friends, this is going to be a tangent, so if I need to cut it off, just let me know. But I, I've heard a lot of complaints from some of my friends where they talk about the fact that, <laughs> unfortunately, we have a situation where power doesn't really seem to matter in the same ways. And so because power doesn't matter in the same way, does Iron Banner still matter? You know, Iron Banner is one of the events where power is like, this is the only PvP event where power actually is taken into effect, but... Is, is power really that big a deal anymore? Like, does it really matter? Uh, no. You can be grossly underpowered in Iron Banner, and if you play solid, you'll still be able to top the, lead, yeah. the leaderboards. Yeah. And, um, you know, with how difficult it is to get this Iron Banner, like, armor, the fact that, like, a lot of us, I would argue a lot of us are sitting on just stacks of, of Iron Banner tokens because we don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can trade in so many and because that loot pool is also with the world loot pool like the chances of you getting a good piece of of armor without doing the four bounties is is rare. you know and that's kind of rough especially for for newer players a lot of us have, like these armors have been there's been variants of these armors across all of the game so if you've played iron banner at any point in the last four years there's a chance you might have a lot of these armors but you know, it, it just sucks that this is a this is supposed to be an opportunity to get like high level, um, high power armor with good stat rolls that you're just not really getting. So, Iron Banner, just look at it. Just look at it. Like we'll do it more. Also, if it's more than just Crucible, like if it's more than just Control, like that would be great too. You know, uh, just something, just 
something. Bring in like a, a, a King of the Hill game mode. I think that would work. Just bring in something else. Absolutely. Rotate it's the control just, points. Something. Well, like, again, you can keep it. Like, control makes sense. But, like, bring in another objective-based game mode. I think King of the Hill works perfectly. It's a rotating flag. But, like, you know, you it power can matter there. It's just it's, it's been it's been four years of nothing but Iron Banner being control, uh, and I I think the community is tired of it. I agree. I really do think that it is affecting the community. You really see it in the play styles in particular. Even if you compare um, Iron Banner from two years ago versus Iron Banner now, you, it, there's really even no point in capturing the zones anymore. Um, I used to be the player who would only focus or would majority focus on capturing the zones, at least hold. If you hold two out of three zones, the majority of the match, there's a good chance you're going to win. If you get a power play, even better. But one of our own community members in our clan, uh, Mr. Dub Spectre, shout out, shout out, W. Um, he actually put me on that you really don't need to capture the zones if you have at least two or three people focusing on kills and not dying, you're going to win. It doesn't matter if the enemy holds two zones. You're, if you are getting way more kills than they are, time controlling the zones, you're going to win. And once he yeah, put me onto this, so this mindset, work. it is a lot of work. It definitely is. Like, it's so much more work than capturing the zones. But now that I've kind of been playing like that, I notice a lot of other people doing the same thing. Even on the opposing team, more people are going for kills than they are capturing the zones. So Bungie could definitely take a look at, you know, just the play style or, or the, the kind of gameplay elements of Iron Banner. G give us I mean, something to change also, it up. Because people aren't focusing, like, of course you don't focus objective on majority of video games, but now it's, like, blatant. There's no point. You really don't have to capture the zones. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'll be the voice in the darkness. It's like, no, you should still capture at least two zones. <laughs> you know, but after that, instead of, like, a lot, what I see, and, and as a, a player, um, what I see is that a lot of people um, are no longer putting a big focus on, on, uh, you know, capturing all three points and, and actually, like, you know, running with the wolves. Like, that's not a thing anymore mm -hmm. because, A, well, okay. So the real reason why you don't want to do that is because by allowing a team to continue to have a base flag, you force them into a very specific spawn area. Mm -hmm. And so by forcing them to spawn in a specific set of locations, if you capture two points and you have a good team that doesn't overextend into the, the spawn right. boundaries, mm -hmm. you just sit there and pick off spawns all day and continue to win battles in the choke. Absolutely. Uh, that That's how you get a quick happen. mercy. That doesn't happen, and the reason why that doesn't happen is because a lot of people, uh, you know, because of the power fantasy that, that Destiny gives and, and because of the fact that uh, up until very recently, like, abil like the ability to, to outplay players with abilities um, has been so great that gunplay has kind of been secondary. And so, you know, it's all about playing in people's faces and doing all the stuff. Uh, now that we're starting to go back towards more of a, an actual gunplay thing, I do think that it's going to continue to shift back. But yeah, no, like, it's just, the problem is, uh, for me, the problem is, 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 is unsmart players. Uh, uh, recognizing the situation that you're in, either recognizing the fact that, hey, okay, we have two points, let's not overextend, because the moment that you overextend, 
uh, you flip the spawns and they'll spawn at your flank, and then you have to now you have a commit to, to capture the other flank. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like there is good flags and bad flags that you don't want. Uh, so recognizing that, recognizing, hey, like okay, they're gonna try and spawn trap us, so let's all like. Let us try to go and, and work as a team instead of everybody running out and trying to play as an individual. You know, but that's also just uh, an overarching, like, first-person shooter problem anyways that a lot of people have is just, like, uh, individual play versus playing with team. Absolutely. And the critical analysis, knowing when to choose individual versus team play, especially yeah. because Destiny 2 is majority a team play-oriented um, PvP for, experience, I would, I team shotting is, is, you know, two. crazy. For I would argue that it is for two of the three subclasses. If you are a hunter, that is a solo play subclass. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're playing Titan, if you're playing Warlock, that is a team-based. And and that's also what I think a lot of the difference is. You see a lot more hunters, Titans, or Warlocks uh, in Crucible because, you know, just hunters have the ability to continue to be solo damage dealers like that's entirely the purpose of the hunter subclass is to be a main damage dealer uh and so it's just that's you know it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things uh there's so but the like iron banner just needs another look or a refresh or something saladin does need to get updated as a vendor only, he's one of the only vendors left that is still based on the token system so maybe we'll get him off of that and We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, Iron Banner. Like, there's just so much more we can be doing with Iron Banner, uh, especially because you and I are players that experienced the rise of Iron, like expansion and, and going to Fellweather Peak, actually, like interacting with the the Temple of the Iron Lords. We, you know, it's just it sucks to be like, oh, we were there and now we're here, mm-hmm. and it's a game mode that nobody wants to play. But yes, it is coming around the corner. I'll probably not play it again, but you know, <laughs> miracles can happen. They certainly can. They certainly can. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that's it. As you guys can see, there's nothing happening in the game. You know, uh, which is okay. It, it gives us more time to, to talk about the things that we want to talk about. Uh, I, you know, it is important to talk about this, talk about Haunted Forest or the Haunted Lost Sectors, because it is a new game event. And on the whole, I think it's a job well done. I, I, I do think that it was a very fun way of uh, doing something new with the game. We, you know, again, we've had the Haunted Forest for three or so years, uh, but now that Mercury is no longer a destination, we can't take advantage of that anymore. How do you evolve it? How do you take advantage of the things that you already have? Uh, I think the gameplay loop is great. You get a lot of candy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's definitely a, a fun time to play it's definitely a fun activity kind of in chin you know there's just small little things here and there that obviously we wish can and hopefully as the game continues to get older and and if we continue to stick with these fours maybe next year the exciting thing will be that it is still haunted sectors but it's going to be different planets in rotation perhaps yeah. like who who only knows but yeah absolutely if this is where we're going to go it's great it's okay yeah. That's right. That's right. Especially that we're about to start making cookies. cookies, you know? <laughs> but yeah. But yes, as we are talking about a lull in the season, I think as, as we were noticing, kind of hitting a lull at the end of the episode. 
So perfect time to slide in the fact that we do have a clan. If you are a solo player out there or if you're playing in a group, but maybe, you know, maybe someone invited you to a clan. They said we play all the time, but they don't really play. Or maybe you're thinking about playing this game. Maybe you have some friends who play, but you need someone to kind of show you the ropes to teach you how it works. Because as you can see, with 21 episodes of a Destiny lore podcast, this game is pretty crazy and has a lot of concepts that do need explaining. Uh, Becoming Legend Clan, Becoming Legend Podcast is here for you. Um, you, can, you can follow the links in the video below or the podcast or wherever you are finding us. There will definitely be links attached. Mm-hmm. Click that link. Join us in. Look for Mr. Bird Up or Mr. Tweezy and say, hey, I want to do these activities. Where do I start? We got you. Yeah. And we have plenty of moderators now in our clan as well again shout out mr dubby and mr floofy you can look for either of them mr floofy particularly loves to do the um last wish raid so if you are trying to get 1000 voices hop in our clan and message mr floofy and he'll he'll get he'll get he'll get it for you for sure yeah yeah, it's fun. Also, we have a somewhat active Discord. We're continuing to to add new stuff. We're continuing to try and grow. Uh, so definitely pay attention to us there. Uh, thank you for everybody who has been listening to the podcast so far. It has been great. It continues to be great. Uh, you know, we're coming up here uh, very soon. Actually, 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 uh, I think. Uh, I, if it's not the next episode, but the episode after, we are one year. So I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, we've been we've been doing this this stuff for a bit. So check us out. We have a whole bunch of back episodes. Uh, a lot of our back episodes, uh, you can listen to. Don't be afraid that you have to be listening to the current stuff. Uh, because a lot of our back episodes continues to talk about lore at a deeper level, talking about lore the past seasons as well. So if you're a new player, you just started playing uh, with this season in particular, uh, you can go back, you'll get an understanding of what we were thinking. Uh, and we'll continue to, to pump out content content like that in the next year, the next few years as this game continues to progress. And, and we'll uh, continue to fill you up with all the lore that we have to, to pay attention to, because that's my favorite part of the game. I, I think that's your favorite part of the game as well. Obviously, that's why we do a lore podcast. So yeah, just check us out. Leave a like, leave a review, follow us on Spotify if you're on Spotify. And, and yeah, like we, we do see everything. We have been greatly appreciative of everybody. And yeah, with that. Uh, if you were looking for, for Bird or, or me specifically, uh, I do know that our information, our links to our Twitches and maybe our Twitters. Actually, that Twitter's a question mark. Definitely our Twitches. Uh, both of our Twitch accounts are, are also linked uh, in the show notes. And then uh, the link to our Discord where we both run the community that we play, the, the in-game clan, as well as broader listeners of the podcast and, and fans of Destiny. Uh, that's where we choose to be. So, yeah, catch us anywhere that we are, and, and we'd love to talk more Destiny with you because, obviously, uh, we've been talking for almost an hour, and uh, I can talk for days. So, Oh, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, man. What's that? You know, I think this is the perfect time, man. And, you know, Bert, since it is Halloween, man, I, I hope you have a great Halloween. Hopefully you get uh, a lot of great trick-or-treaters, a lot of great candy, and no headless one. I thought I saw one in the mirror earlier. 
I made that part up, but actually, in seriously, when I was at the gym earlier today, I really did think that I saw a headless one out of the corner of my eye. I had just gotten there. It was eight in the morning. I, you know, I go there in a fasted state. So I was already tired. I legitimately thought I saw a headless one in the gym. So y'all watch out. Don't summon them. Um, don't sing Savathun's song. Try to avoid that. And, uh, you know, call out for your newest guardian. Call out to Becoming yeah. Legend Clan. We got you. We'll save you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bye, guys. All right. Y'all. Later.